Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Perspective Podcast, where we explore new thoughts, connect ideas, and offer perspectives that may change the way you think about a thing or two. And today, we are talking about something called moral mapping. So before we get into that, I realized that during the last episode, which I think was episode four on the ability to appreciate, which we had an excellent workshop. I did my first online workshop on the ability to appreciate, and it was super dope. And a lot of the stuff that I put into that podcast, I got as feedback from the conversation during that workshop. So thank you to all of those people, especially Mr. Eric. He was, um, all that stuff about being humble, that was like him. I didn't come at it from the most humble perspective, but, uh, I was enlightened because I sought to understand. And uh, yeah, so thank you to Eric. But um, I think I called that episode three like a bunch of times, and it was episode four, and this is episode five. So I think I'm going to start making an an effort not to say which episode it is because I feel like I'm just going to get that wrong. And if I do, eh, you know, that's that's what's going to happen. But today we're talking about moral mapping which is kind of a, like a, a way to conceptualize morals. And um, I hope this isn't too controversial. I think this is just a perspective. But, you know, if it's, a, if it's controversial, maybe it'll encourage somebody to comment and then we can have a conversation that is hopefully productive. But um, uh, like usual, I'm trying to give a baseline before I jump into my thoughts. So the uh, there's there's two definitions of moral that I want to go over, the adjective definitions. Um, and so the first definition is uh, concerned with the principles of right and wrong behavior and the goodness or badness of human behavior. And the second definition as an adjective uh, is holding or manifesting high principles for proper conduct. Um, interestingly enough, uh, from an etymology or a word history uh, perspective, which uh, Benny has turned me on to looking into etymology. So thank you, Benny. He uh, really like enriches the conversation by bringing that to the table, so I'm going to start doing that in the podcast and when I bring up uh, definitions and stuff like that. Um, the etymology is like of morals is pertaining to manners, which I'm not sure if that applies at all, but I thought that was really interesting. Um, that it's about manners or mannerisms, or and you can get into a lot of like word arguments with that. But um, the definitions of goodness and badness aside, I'm not going to get into that because that's that's a whole different topic. Um, because the first definition said um, concerned with the principles of right and wrong behavior and goodness and badness in human behavior. I'm not going to talk about goodness and badness. I'm going to assume that the person with the morals has their own definition of goodness and badness and right and wrong. And that's pretty much as deep as I'm going to get into the good, bad, right, wrong talk today, hopefully. Um, so those those definitions aside, um, I'm thinking that uh, morals are kind of, in layman's terms, a person's like rules of engagement that are based on a working definition of right and wrong. So somewhere in their head, uh, they have come up with this working definition of what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. And it may not be obvious to them. They may not be able to tell you, but there's something that they're using to work off. Um, and the morals are kind of based on what I think about right and wrong, based on what I think about good and bad. This is how I should act. 
this is what's good and this is what is bad to do. Um, and with moral behavior um, or being concerned with morality, it's different for everybody. Like every, everybody has their own right and wrong. Everybody has their own good and bad. And I'm not here to tell anybody what is the right right or the right wrong or the right good or the right bad. I'm not, we're not getting into that because I said that we're not going to get into that. Um, but uh, there's a lot of subjectivity in, in what your morality is. And so uh, people have a lot of different sets of morals. And then even when people do have morals, to make it even more complex... Not everybody follows their morals. Um, some people actively disobey what they think is right and wrong. They know what they're doing is wrong, and they do it. They know what they're doing is bad, and they do it per their own definitions. Um, and so there's, there's that complication. And then sometimes people are confused morally or morally ambiguous where maybe they haven't developed such a hardcore definition, so it's kind of very loose. They're more like guidelines, like in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, or maybe they, they, they heard something and they're something has rocked their world and upset their belief system and they're still working on it so they're not sure what's right and wrong. There's a lot of different things that go on. But we're assuming that the person, the imaginary person that I'm using as the example person, um, kind of has an idea of what the, they're right and what they're wrong and what they're good and what they're bad is in terms of this moral mapping thing. Um, and so for, for, this, for this person that kind of has a good, good foot on their morals, um, that doesn't mean they're straightforward, and that doesn't mean this person knows exactly what's what's going on in their head. I would I would argue that nobody knows exactly what's going on in their head. Um, I think that's a pretty good argument. But uh, the the morals of an individual they're complex, they're situational, and they're contradictory in many areas of their life at the same time, all the time. It's not a straight path. It's not the straight and narrow. Um, there's um, there's situations where in situation A, I act this way, but in situation B, it's like I cannot act that way. That's bad. Um, and it, it like an example of that is like uh, maybe I cuss in front of my friends, but then I don't cuss in front of my parents. Maybe I dress really nice at church, but then I dress like whatever during the rest of the week where um, you have rules that – are are pretty hardcore for particular situations, but they don't really apply everywhere. Um, and this this doesn't mean somebody lacks morals or doesn't have morals. I'm saying that morality in general involves situations and it involves contradictions and it involves complexities where um, there are certain times where in this situation I will do this thing but in a different situation, I will literally do the opposite of this thing. And it's, that's what I think is, is the thing to do. Um, and then some of this is because we're not connecting these and realizing they're the same situation. There's a lot of reasons why there can be these complexities or these um, situational differences or these contradictions. But um, I would say that acting on good morals, which... I think is something that can be pushed in certain crowds or in certain groups of humans. It's it's making a lot of assumptions. It's making that first assumption I made that the person has morals that are that are reasonably stable, like they're pretty confident in their morals. Um, and then it it makes an, a, another assumption that 
the person like me, I'm Jordan, and I'm going to call another person Bob. Um, if I am saying that Bob is acting on good morals, then I'm assuming or I'm basically saying that Bob has a decent view of right and wrong relative to me. Like what he views as good morality kind of matches up with me. So there's sometimes there's the perspective of how you're looking at the morality. Are you looking at it through your lens or are you looking at the morality through the lens of the person who's operating the morality? Um, and then there is another um, kind of complexity here where acting on good morals or acting on morals at all assumes that the individual Bob, the person that is operating the morals, the, pe the person that's making the decisions based on his morality, you're, you're assuming that he understands what's actually happening. So what I mean by that is if me, if Jordan, if I'm going to make a good moral decision about something, it kind of assumes that I know what's happening. Like if I don't know what's happening, I may only have three out of the four facts I need. And based on those three facts, if I think that's all the facts there are, I may make one decision. But if I had that fourth fact, I may make a totally different decision. And if you're judging me from the perspective of four facts, and I only had three facts, and you're like, oh, you're such a terrible person. I would have never done that. Well, it's like, well, maybe in, in the universe where there was only three facts, which was the one I was living in when I made the decision, it was a moral decision, and also, do your morals line up with my morals? So there's, there's those kind of complications. Um, and uh, I think this, this uh, makes the concept of morality um, not as straightforward as it has been proposed to me at certain times in my life. Um, and so kind of taking the realistic situations or scenarios that I can surmise, I bet there's like tons more. I'm not like the king of the answers. I don't know everything. I'm just coming up with some things that I can think of that are important from my perspective. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get this concept of a person that has morals. So this person, Bob, that I'm using as an example in this podcast he has a good understanding of his morals. He's reasonably uh, confident about his morals. Um, his morals are understandable by me. I'm able to put myself in his shoes and understand his morals. Um, and that uh, Bob reasonably understands his situations that we're judging him on. So... Um, Bob is capable in the situation of acting morally, he has morals, and also we are capable of observing him morally because we can understand his morals because they're reasonably stable. So if Bob, if he took the time to like write out all his morals in detail, so if he was trying to like explain his morals, like if it was possible to take all your morals and like write a code, like Hammurabi's code or something like that. I would think personally for me, it'd be more like a flow chart, like a bunch of if then. So if a person slaps you, then do what? And there might be like a yes and a no kind of thing. And there's like all these arrows from box. Yeah, flow chart. Um, that's probably what I would do. That's why I'm calling it moral mapping. In my mind, it's more of a flow chart. It's like programming, but it could also be like a codex, like laws and stuff like that. Um, but if you took the time to write out your, mor your morals in detail or to map them, um, 
the what I'm trying to get at is due to kind of all the stuff I was saying in the beginning of this podcast, which I have been saying a mouthful of stuff, and I think I'm talking faster than I normally do, but um, I'm going to keep talking. Uh, the decisions based on, like, once you wrote out all the laws, once you finished the flow chart, if you ran some decisions through the flow chart, if you ran some decisions through the law book, um, I don't think that even given your Bob, even given that you have your, your standard or your stable morals, like you believe in something and you're able to make decisions, um, I don't think that the, the moral map would always lead you to what you would actually do. And so like if, if Bob explained all his morals to me, then I'd probably be like, well, last Sunday you did this. That doesn't match up with your system, so why did you do that? Um, and I think there's a lot of situations where uh, due to the uh, – what did I say before? Due to the complexities, due to the situational nature, and due to the contradictions inherent in life, there, those must also I- exist in morals because they're how you operate in life and how your psyche works. It operates in life. Um, and so there's times where it can like crash into itself if you're very rigid about this is this, right is right, wrong is wrong, good is good, bad is bad. Um, and I don't think that map taken at face value, like we must follow these laws, would be very useful, which is one of the reasons why I think laws are not very useful if you follow them to the letter all the time. That's where I think the idea of the spirit of the law comes in and why we have judges and like interpreters because sometimes um, – there's no such thing as a definite right thing for everybody. And so kind of we can like bend the law a little bit to help kind of grease the wheels of society. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about morals. Um, and so I would say that in dealing with morality, it's possible to create a moral map and kind of chart out what you think. This is what I believe in. These are my morals. This is my right. This is my good. This is my wrong. This is my bad. But um, the idea of using that as a hardcore map to get to your destination or setting those rules in stone, I think doesn't allow for the situational nuances of things, especially the situational nuance, which I think is almost always present, which is you don't understand everything that's going on. Um, I think that's a constant. Nobody ever fully understands everything about the situation. And I think that plays into a lot of is it even possible to act in a moral capacity if you can't know what you're acting in? Um, another question that I'm not going to answer. Um, but setting your ideas in stone, it doesn't allow for situational nuances. That was an example of a nuance. It doesn't let the idea of right and wrong change. So if you wrote down your rules in stone, if you created a moral map, um, and then, you know, maybe 10 years go by in your life and you get some new experiences, you get some new knowledge, and your idea, your stable version of right and wrong expands, it grows, it changes. Um, but you're locked into these moral rules that you've had for the last 10 years that might run you into some problems where, oh, I think this is right. Or I thought this was right, and I, I've been following this rule and I'm used to this rule. I think this is the law, at least in my head. But as I've grown older, I've realized there's some shades of gray. I've realized this is maybe this maybe is not the best thing to do. And um, kind of 
having a system that evolves as you evolve. Uh, maybe not exactly as you evolve. Maybe give it some time so you can really think about really whether you want to incorporate something or not. But kind of uh, comparing the being very rigid and setting up some rules at the beginning of your life and then like moving forward. Um, it doesn't really allow you to change your views of right and wrong, which are good about some things, um, but maybe not so good about everything. And then um, I think in a lot of cases, this is the one that I think is interesting to me, creating a moral map. It creates cases where your map will run into itself and it, it'll tell you to turn left and right at the same time. And it'll, it'll create situations in your life where if you followed the map, you wouldn't be allowed to move in that situation. And it would, it would halt a lot of progress. And we still need to move. We still need to make decisions. And there's times where it's important to understand that we have morals, try to abide by our morals, respect our morals, but maybe evolve our morals and maybe create a more complex system or a new situation where in it, but in this situation, this is a little different or seek to understand. Maybe it's not the, the situation we thought it was. And now that it's a new situation, it's a different part of our map that leads us down a different path. There's a lot of different ways you can deal with it. Um, but understanding, like not not being very rigid in your morals all the time, even though I think it is good to have rigid morals at any one period in time, I don't think it's good to be rigid about your morals. It's good to have rigid morals and to always have a, a kilogram from the National Institute of Standards and Technology to like compare your kilogram to. I don't know if you guys know anything about measurements, but um, the weight of a kilogram it's literally based on this physical object that weighs a kilogram and it's like stored in France and it's like under lock and key and nobody can touch it because if you scratched it, you might change its weight. And now the weight of the kilogram all around the world changes. So it's good to have that, that kilogram locked away. And like, I have my standard over there. I have my morals over there, but it's still, I think pretty good to use things that are not exactly a kilogram as a kilogram because it's too much work to go recreating that kilogram exactly, 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 atom by atom all around the world and maintaining that. We maintain one. It's a standard. We compare to that every now and then. But um, it's okay to deviate. There's like a tolerance that you can, like a tolerance bandwidth, and you can be a little plus or a little minus of it. And situationally, in different cases, it's, it's, it's more important to be on point. In other cases, it's more, less important. Um, but to, to know the situation and know the rigidity of your morals that you should apply. Um, also, I think that in the event that you follow a moral map and it does lead you to a destination, I think there are lots of cases where if somebody actually took the time, which I don't think this is possible because it would be an exhaustive, extremely confusing map. Maybe an AI can do it, but I don't think a human could do it. Um, if, if you were able to map out literally all, like 100% of your morals, your entire moral code at one point, I think there are a lot of situations where if you plug the situation into the moral code, into the moral map, it would spit out uh, like, oh, you said this situation? Okay, do this. And then the person who's reading, the person who wrote the map would be like, well, I would never do that. So, and there's, there's certain times where your morals create not necessarily conflicts like they run into themselves but just complete like things that would never happen I, I would call that a contradiction but um so that kind of falls back into some of the as, the assumptions that I was making about uh, a moral person or about the morally uh, uh, 
Abel Bob. Um, it's like, is it possible to make a map? And if it is possible, is it possible to truthfully make a map? Can you actually ask yourself and can, your, can yourself actually tell yourself the truth about what your morals are and like get your desires out of the way and like look at the realistic morals and really bring that to light really bring that to the forefront the actual conscious part of your mind and write it down could you do that and i think sometimes the map leads you in weird ways because um if you were able to write it it's not the thing you're always operating on because sometimes you're not operating morally even though you may think you are because your mind is very complex my mind is very complex sometimes i think i'm right and then later i'm like man i'm just petty but um that happens very rarely like it almost never happens but sometimes it does happen and i'm like oh man i need to go apologize um also i think there are Sometimes people like having morals, they incorporate morals into their life, and they're like, this is a good moral, this is a good thing to believe, and this is a good version of right, I'm going to follow it. But if you followed it to the end, it may have some implications that you did not realize, and you'd be like, oh, in this situation, this moral is awful, and we should never do this because it's bad, or it causes a moral conflict, or a conflict of interest, or however you want to say it. And so sometimes I think... Um, the concept of a moral map can be helpful in, in, in creating flexibility because um, it kind of brings out these uh, design constraints in, in operating under rigid morals, which the first one is like, um, how, how possible is it that you can make a real moral map truthfully to yourself and it be true and it not have been shaded by your desires or your emotions or other things? And then also... Um, if you actually were going to follow this, it, it's probably going to lead you to doing some things you would never do or you don't want to do or you didn't expect to do. Like you thought your morals would lead you one way, but you you really map it out. And whew, that's, a, that's a lot more than I signed up for. So I, mm, I still really like that as a moral. But like, oh, geez, that's a, that's a lot of... Mm, I, do, I, do not, I do not know about that. And then lastly... Um, morality is not imperative. And when I say that, I mean people do not have to act on their morals. People don't even have to have morals. We have this word called amoral or immoral. I'm not sure what the difference between those words are because I didn't look it up. Um, but that, that, the, the idea of not following your morality is very real or not having morality is very real. It's something you have to think about. It's something you have to develop or be taught or learn. It's not inherent in babies. Babies don't have morality. Um, and so the idea that it's not something that's inherent within you, like eyes, like for the most people have eyes, um, it's, it's something you have to make important in order to act on it. Just because you made this map, just because you made this codex, just because you had these laws, like just because America, the United States of America, made a bunch of laws doesn't mean that everybody follows them. It means most people follow them usually, and most of the time they don't conflict, but there's some conflicts, there's some situational differences, there's some complexities, and then there's tons of people that ignore the morals or some people that do not understand the laws and break the laws because they don't understand or they don't realize the implication of the laws. Like all these problems I think are legal problems, and I guess morality is a legal issue now that I've been talking about it for 20 minutes, but... um Priorities can change your morals, and they can uh, they can even cause you to ignore your morals and operate on other things. So, like, um, maybe I don't want to steal, but my son 
is starving to death. So my morals say that I should keep my son alive, and it also says I shouldn't steal. And so maybe I should steal because I have a higher moral value on the life of my son, which, okay. As like a random example, because I don't have a son, I hope I don't have a son because I don't know about him. Um, but also the Maslow chart, which is like um, the the chart of needs where until you've satisfied the lower um, things, you can't get to the higher things. And like self-actualization, like thinking about stuff and doing philosophy and like listening to this podcast is more like at the higher level. And that's like humble brag kind of stuff. I'm not trying to say that this is the greatest thing ever. But like the lower stuff is like worrying about food, worrying about safety, worrying about shelter, worrying about water. And once you have those things, then you can start and like think critically and like spend your time be like, hmm, I wonder how the planet orbits are working and if we're going to get to Mars. But like if you don't have food, like you're way more focused on, on eating. And so sometimes, like, the fact that you don't have food shifts your morals. It shifts your priorities. And now you're focused solely on food rather than um, is this right or wrong. It's more like am I hungry or am I not hungry. So priorities can have a lot to do with your morals. Um, the, your ability to be truthful with yourself can have a lot to do with your morals. And the lack of the understanding of what your morals are can have a lot to do with how you act within your morals or how you act within your code, your laws. I think morals are kind of like your personal laws that you have set up. I don't know if you follow your laws or you break your laws, but they're kind of your laws. And so um, I think morals should act more as a way to view situations. So it gives you kind of a baseline to say, is this good or bad? Should I do this? Should I not do this? What is the kind of outcome? Does it kind of align with what I believe in and my standards and my values and all that kind of stuff? Um, rather than using it as a judgment tool where this is bad, I will not do it. This is good. I will do this. I must do this because it follows my morals. Because sometimes something that's morally correct will lead you to be dead. Like, um, like if you have a really high concept of justice, sometimes that can turn into something that's oddly similar to revenge. And that could lead you into a situation that you might want to hurt somebody to become morally correct. Or you might put yourself in harm's way in order to maintain your morals. And that may not always be the best thing. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But it may not always be the best thing. So um, I think morals... In a lot of cases, not necessarily that you should be flexible in your morals. I think just like the kilogram that NIST has in Paris, I think it's in Paris, um, keep your standard pure and locked away and don't let people touch it and mess with it. But also realize that all the people around the world using the kilogram, they're touching it, they're scratching it. It may be a little bit off depending on what they're using it for and what situation you're in I think highly dictates the accuracy or the strictness to which you must follow your moral code. I don't think you should ch change your moral code, but what are you using your moral code with now that you've taken all this time to make it? Don't take all this time to make a really good tool and then just use it horribly. Use it in the way that fits you and realize, try to understand the situation you're in so you can operate in it well given the tools that you have. Um, I think using morals in um, a more situational view uh, capacity rather than a judgment capacity allows uh, more kind of appreciation. Back to episode three, by which I really mean episode four, but I called it episode three. Um, it allows for 
um, giving the benefit of the doubt. I think when you have morals, you have this idea of what's good, and then it, it gives you the ability to give the benefit of the doubt because you're kind of baselining it towards what you think is good. Oh, maybe they were trying to do this, and that could be good. Um, and so it gives you kind of like a, you know, a North Star. Uh, and it avoids like this black and white kind of thing where you're wrong, shoot you, you're dead. You're wrong, prison for life. You're wrong, death penalty. Like that kind of stuff can be necessary at certain times. <laughs> but I think if you get into the habit of using your morals black and white, you become more on the side of an extremist where you're just saying punish, 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 punish. And when you use it more as kind of like a guiding star, then you're, you're coming at it from the seek to understand and uh, maybe I can learn something. Maybe I don't know all the facts and what you did was actually morally correct. Or maybe I can take a second to understand that everyone doesn't have the same morals and I should try and understand your morals so I can see where you're coming from before I try to put my morals all over you and judge you as if you're me because you're not me. So, uh, yeah, judgment, I think, is uh, it's a cool word. It's like a really powerful word. And, like, you get that wooden hammer and you smash it on the table and people go to prison for life. But um, it's not always the best thing to do. And I think understanding is very difficult and it takes a lot of patience and it's super frustrating. But um, it can be worth it. I think it's usually worth it, even if you don't think it is. Uh, it can be very frustrating and bitter. Uh, not like chocolate bitter, because chocolate bitter is still pretty good. Um, like bitter, like earwax bitter. Like I remember my brother, when I was little, he was like, you want to know what bitter tastes like? And he was like, I was like really little. He was like, stick your finger in your ear. And I was like, no, all right. And he was like, now put it in your mouth. And it was awful. And he's like, that's what bitter tastes like. And I always remember that's what bitter tastes like. And it's like that. It's not like chocolate bitter. Um, but it could still be worth it. And so I think um, that is the concept of moral mapping. Again, this is kind of a tool, put in your toolkit. Um, and yeah, if, uh, if this was interesting to you, let me know what you think. If this kind of sparks some ideas or maybe I'm totally wrong and you got a different idea, let me know. I am giving you my ideas so that you can go and create conversations and that also you can talk to me, hopefully, because I love talking to people, which is uh, one of the reasons I'm doing this, that I'm really trying to create conversation and get people to think and use their brain and do some mental push-ups because um, I think that really helps when, when we get into this mode of seeking to understand. It really helps us as a society to come together and to solve problems and to create solutions which I think a lot of times we have the answers for. It's just we need the capacity to collaborate. And I think a lot of that comes from mental toughness and the ability to work together and be nice and give the benefit of the doubt and all that kind of stuff. So um, this is the Perspective Podcast episode on moral mapping. Um, and yeah, hope you guys liked it. If you are inclined to check out any of my other stuff, you can look at my Instagram page at Jordan Tremaine underscore. But um, other than that, I hope you guys have a good day. And I hope this creates a conversation with at least one person. Like the next time you go to work, be like, man, I just listened to the craziest podcast about moral. And, you know, try to try to try to not necessarily like uh, preach the propaganda that I'm telling you, but um, try to explain it to somebody else and see if you got the concept or or like I was saying with the moral mapping if you, uh, sometimes when you write stuff out, it's not always what you expect. Sometimes when it comes out of your mouth, um, or when you put it down to paper, you're like, oh, wow, this, this is some interesting stuff. So I'd say try that. Anyways, I'm done. I'm going to say bye. It's already been too long. So peace out.